Hey guys, what is up? Welcome back to Flourishing with PTSD, a podcast designed to normalize conversations around mental health, specifically in the context of PTSD, also known as post-traumatic stress disorder. If this is your first time tuning in for an episode, I would like to personally welcome you. If you are a regular listener or someone who occasionally pops in for an episode here or there, welcome to you as well. I want to take a moment and just commend and congratulate and applaud you all for everything that you're doing right now to help yourselves when it comes to your mental health. That could be listening to this podcast, prioritizing your self-care like a bubble bath, reading a self-help book, seeing a therapist, talking out your feels with a friend, or taking a much-needed day off work, eating that extra piece of pie, or drinking four glasses of water. Whatever you are doing to make you yourself a priority, know that is not selfish. No, that is not bad. That is right on the money. And if no one else is telling you, then I'm going to say it loud enough for the people in the back. I am proud of you. Keep going. You are doing great. Did everyone hear me? No, You, you didn't. You need me to say it again? Okay. I'm proud of you. Keep going. You are doing great. (laughs) My little attempt at humor there. (laughs) I hope I made you smile. Um, If I did, well, then my work is done. No need for the rest of the episode, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh, this, it's been a week, let me tell you. If you tuned in for the last podcast, you heard my conversation with Ruth Rockowitz, author of Escaping the Whale, and she shared with us her experience on inherited trauma of both her parents um, who were survivors of the Holocaust that occurred in World War II. Speaking with her was a highlight for me, and I am still in disbelief that Ruth was able to come onto the show and trust our community here uh, with her story and just everything that she has been through and all of her activism and everything that she does. Um, I'm so grateful to her, and I'm deeply inspired by her, Um, and I hope to have her on the show again. She's just such a joyful soul to converse with. Um, This is the part of the intro where I let you know, and I guess I just tell you. I'm totally stuttering right now. (laughs) This is where I tell you that I am not a licensed medical professional or a professional at all for that matter. I am just the host of a podcast with her own stories of traumas and what it looks like to live with PTSD in the aftermath of an attempted sexual assault. My name is Amanda. I am the host and I am so honored that you are choosing to spend your time with me. For good measure, And what is becoming my normal practice? I'm putting a trigger warning on this episode in the most likely event that I will probably say something that is triggering to someone who is struggling with PTSD symptoms. I am well versed in what that feels like. So make sure to check in with yourself and see how you're doing. Today, me, myself, and I are getting into the depths of my mind and what happens when the guard is down. Today's topic is going to talk about nightmares. Oh, first off, I just want to preface this entire discussion with a brief distinction because some of you may be thinking, Manda, we all get nightmares. Like everybody gets nightmares. What's the big deal? They're just things that happen. They're just part of life and we all have to live with it. Is that you? Are you asking that? If so, man, do I want to know about your life? DM me, please. I want to know what that's like. <laughs> um, I have a feeling, though, that many of you are excited for this episode because a lot of you have reached out to me expressing your struggles with nightmares and how I personally cope with them because, 
let's be real, PTSD nightmares are the literal worst. And I mean, they are the worst. Um, So in order to make this little distinction, I'm going to read a quote from the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs website, ptsd.wa.gov. And as usual, I will put any quotes or links referenced in this episode in the details. Um, And the quote reads, Nightmares are dreams that are threatening and scary. Nearly everyone has had a nightmare from time to time. For trauma survivors, though, nightmares are a common problem. Along with flashbacks and unwanted memories, nightmares are one of the ways in which a trauma survivor may relive the trauma for months or years after the event. End quote. I really like this statement for one main reason. It declares and articulates a difference between people who have been through a trauma and those who perhaps have not. There is a difference in the frequency of these nightmares for trauma survivors, and often the severity of the dream is also different. Um, I also appreciate the statement because it just simply validates my own experience um, in that following a trauma, I have had horrible nightmares on a regular basis, and we're talking years worth of a regular basis. Um, On this website, they also present some data that I would like to share with you, and I'm going to just read it directly. So insert quote here. Among the general public, about 5% of people complain of nightmares. Those who have gone through a trauma, though, um, sorry, I'm going to restart that. (laughs) Those who have gone through a trauma, though, are more likely to have distressing nightmares after the event. This is true no matter what type of trauma it is. Those trauma survivors who get PTSD are even more likely to complain of nightmares. Nightmares are one of the 17 symptoms of PTSD. For example, a study comparing Vietnam veterans to civilians showed that 52% of combat veterans with PTSD had nightmares fairly often. Only 3% of the civilians in the study reported the same level of nightmares. Other research has found even higher rates of nightmares. Of those with PTSD, 71 to 96% have nightmares. People who have other mental health problems such as panic disorder as well as PTSD are more likely to have nightmares than those with PTSD alone. Not only are trauma survivors more likely to have nightmares, those who do have them quite often, uh, those who do, sorry, those who do have, uh, may have them quite often. Some survivors may have nightmares several times a week. Or if you're like me, you know, your brain just gets them all out of the way in one night. Um, so that's the end of the quote. Um, So, a lot of information in there, and obviously research will vary in place to place from source to source, but from personal experience with people that I have spoken to, including friends, family, college professors, and some of you, these numbers are a pretty good reflection on the difference in nightmare experiences between those who are living with PTSD and those who are not. Um, Now, (laughs) one question that I am sure may be crossing your brain right about now is... Amanda, I have nightmares, but they aren't replays of my trauma. Not always. It's just, it's different than a flashback. So is that a symptom of PTSD or is that just my luck of the draw with my biology and my brain? uh, Oh man, I'm so glad that you had that question because I am so happy to touch on that. Oh, you guys are so smart. So one of my symptoms of PTSD is hyperarousal. 
right? Like that's something that I'm sure a lot of us experience. We are just always ready in case something bad is going to happen and we need to engage in that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response, which again, for emphasis, is not a conscious process. That is something deeply instinctual that occurs when we are in a dangerous situation. Um, You guys have heard me talk about that in other episodes more in depth. But anyways, if our mental state and our body are always ready and hyper alert, What's to say that that can't carry over into our sleeping patterns? What do I mean by that? Well, when you're strolling through your day, doing what you do, if you are living with PTSD, then you are living a simple routine or or through simple life situations in survival mode, always on high alert and just waiting for that danger to reveal itself. So when you're asleep and your guard is down, the dreams just kind of creep in. Now, the first thing you need to know about the way that the human sleep cycle is designed, there are five phases or stages of the sleep cycle that we experience. There's stage one, two, three, and four, and then REM sleep, R-E-M. REM stands for rapid eye movement. Now, some of you may be familiar with these terms, but REM is the stage that I want to focus on. Um, You also may have heard the fact that you can tell if you approach someone who's sleeping, you can see, you can tell if they are dreaming, if their eyes are moving, like, you know, like under their eyelids, you can see when someone's eyes are moving. Rapid eye movement equals you're in REM sleep, you're dreaming. That's pretty cool, right? A little fun fact for you. Um, But REM sleep is when the dreaming happens, as far as we know right now with the science that's out there. REM sleep is where the dreaming happens. And it's super cool that we know this because literally like this was only discovered like, gosh, I think it was back in the 1950s, maybe the 60s. I think it was somewhere in there, the 50s or 60s. Don't quote me on that. Um, I'm going to have to look that one up though. Um, Anyway, stay with me. I promise this is getting back to the question. Um, So PTSDUK.org mentions the emotional cascade model created by Edward Selby and Associates. And this model suggests that, and I quote, negative emotional experiences during the day can contribute to nightmares made worse by two processes. I'm still quoting here. First is rumination, rumination, rumination. Not sure how to say that. Rumination or going over things again and again in your mind. Rumination keeps the pain of those negative experiences fresh. The second process is catastrophizing. Catastrophizing. That's a really hard word. I am totally struggling today. Stay with me, you guys. The second process is catastrophizing, in which you imagine the worst possible outcome from a negative experience. Both rumination and catastrophizing are common symptoms of PTSD particularly from hypervigilance. And these factors alone are likely to increase the likelihood of a PTSD sufferer having nightmares. Further studies have shown too that adults with personality traits like distrustfulness, alienation, and emotional estrangement or a negative self-attitude, all common with those of PTSD, are associated with high incidence of nightmares. Oh my gosh, you guys, did you get all of that? What that's saying is that because people with PTSD tend to be hyper alert and they suffer flashbacks when triggered, which again, keeps that pain present. That's that rumination that he was talking about. You're being exposed to that pain over and over again. Um, and you're just keeping that pain on repeat. The brain is still dealing with those emotions and is struggling. And when the guard is completely down, like when you're asleep, all of those dominoes from the day fall. And that domino effect at the end 
is the nightmares. And we get nightmares at night because the trauma lives in the triggers that we have during the day. Because it constantly lives in our thought processes, our worries, and our need to plan for every scenario so that you can be safe and possibly prevent another bad thing from happening to you again. I mean, that's part of PTSD is just like, you're so traumatized that you need to plan, you need to be aware, you need to be alert so that you don't have to go through that again. Um, That's just part of the symptomology. And all of these things together, according to this model, which makes perfect sense in my unprofessional opinion are what lead to the nightmares. So if our hypervigilance is present and normal, like in normal non-threatening scenarios, I should say, and a neutral stimulus, like for example, Carmex chapstick for me, the chapstick itself will not hurt me. It cannot hurt me. But every time I smell it, I endure a flashback and I can smell it on my attacker and see everything happening simultaneously and well that's not exactly a pleasant experience so my nightmare could literally be that super non-threatening you know example where I'm surrounded by the scent of Carmex chapstick or that everyone in my life decides to wear it right like the smell of it in my dream is triggering enough to trigger the same distress all over again Does that make sense? So a PTSD dream is not always an exact replay of the trauma itself, but it can be anything, any kind of scenario, any kind of situation that you can think of that your brain magically somehow comes up with. It can be anything that evokes the same or similar panic or distress in a person, making them feel the same things they felt when they went through the actual trauma. And that's why PTSD nightmares are so scary. Does that make sense? I mean, like, it's, it's awful. Um, you know, like, I hear a lot of people talk about how sleep is their escape. And like, oh, like, I just need to sleep this off. And like, oh, I just, you know, I can't wait to sleep. I, I, I wish I knew what that was like, because literally, I'm always afraid to go to sleep. Like, I film these podcasts super late at night, because it's just one thing I can do to distract myself from having to go to sleep. I mean, it is just crazy, you guys. Um, But anyways, that's a lot to take in. So now, how do we deal with these nightmares? What do we do? Like, are we stuck with these forever? Like, can we get rid of them? Well, I prioritize self-care and routine more than anything else. My bedtime routine may have some variety, but I'm pretty strict on what I do and what I do not do shortly before bed. So if hypervigilance is something that leads to nightmares, and I truly believe it does for me, it may be different for you, but in my case, everything points to that being true for me, then I need to work on practicing to relax during the day in situations that I know are probably going to be okay. So learning to let down that hypervigilance, like somehow relax in those calm situations so that my body, my nervous system, and my brain aren't just constantly living in this heightened state of anxiety but being able to relax and loosen on that hypervigilance so that, you know, I just have a chance to be chill and like calm down, right? Um, That's what I want for me. And that's what I want for all of you to genuinely be able to relax and just take a breath and feel for a moment that you're not in danger. I mean, those moments are so precious. And of course, I want that for you, however that can happen. Um, So like, yeah, take a situation that you probably know you're going to be okay. So like for me at work, 
an environment where nothing harmful has ever happened to me, um, I can place a pretty good bet that I will be okay there. You know, challenging stuff might come up, but like when it comes to harm, I'm pretty sure I'll be okay. Like that's not going to happen. So in order to check in with myself, sometimes I just take a nice deep breath. And sometimes I repeat that two or three times. Sometimes I take a break and admire what I'm doing because admiration is a happy feeling. And happy feelings have a hard time coexisting with distress, right? It's hard to be like totally in awe of something while being totally heightened in distress at the same time. Like I personally have never been able to experience those two things at the same time, um, at least in the extremes. Um, So there's that. Um, If you can work on your grounding techniques and practice letting go of some of your stress during the day, you can start to relax and you may see a decrease in your nightmares. Because again, what these models are saying is that hypervigilance and living in that constant state of anxiety during the day will translate over into your sleep. So the priority needs to be how you live while you're awake so that when you sleep, you can be at peace and have less nightmares or at least less severe nightmares. That's my interpretation of what this model is saying. Okay. Now, ptsduk.org offers some suggestions as well, um, starting with temperature. You guys, I kid you not, every single time that I have been too hot while sleeping, whether it's summer and my room is like literally at boiling point or I slept with five too many blankets because I love blankets, every time I'm too hot, I always have a minimum of one nightmare. I say minimum because it's really common for me to have multiple nightmares in one night, which just, it totally sucks. Um... (laughs) PTSDUK.org also mentions this, and I quote, pain. Pain can also lead to more awakenings in the night. And so you're more likely to remember any nightmares you're having. PTSD often causes joint pain as your muscles can be very tense. If you feel that it's pain waking you up in the night, it may be worth speaking to your GP. I'm guessing that means general practitioner. Um, It's worth speaking to your GP about, so your doctor. Um, Furthermore, be aware of pain relievers as some of them contain caffeine, also likely to affect your sleep. Okay, end quote. I never knew that pain relievers could contain caffeine. Like, am I just totally like off my rocker or living under a rock? Or like, is that something that everyone knows? Because I did not know that until literally... I like until I literally wrote this out and I was doing my research on it. Like that's crazy. I wish I could give you guys some examples of some pain relievers that do have caffeine. So like if that's something you're interested in, you can avoid it. But I literally like it didn't even occur to me until I'm reading it right now. <laughs> um, but holy smokes, like that is so crazy. Um, and I also got to say that I did not know about the joint pain. Uh, my physical pain manifests differently from joint pain, but I can definitely see how that can be a real thing for sure. Um, so like figuring out how to take care of your joints and your pain, if that's something that if that's something you struggle with, um, taking care of your body might help your mind when it comes to nightmares. That's just a suggestion with, again, no professional title there. Um, they also mentioned something that I wanted to come back to, uh, caffeine. You guys, I do not drink coffee. I stay away from energy drinks and all that stuff because I'm terrified of 
not only what's in them, but because of how it will impact my sleep. And now I'm not judging if you need those things to survive and to cope. I know plenty of folks who legit cannot make it through the day without their caffeine fix. And again, like that's a coping mechanism. Like if you're having trouble sleeping, you're not going to have very much energy during the day. And so you need to find a way to live and, you know, make it through your day and continue to just, you know, exist and live, right? So I totally get it. I do not judge. I I can totally see the validity and needing to cope with that, okay? Um I totally get it. But caffeine is a big player in anxiety and sleep issues, and that can't be denied. Um and you know what they say, like anything in moderation is fine, but go beyond that and you'll have some problems. Um At the end of the day, though, you know what works best for you, and some girl talking into a microphone in her free time on a podcast cannot tell you what to do. Again, this podcast is solely based on my personal experiences and the research that I can find out there. You got to do what's best for you, so do not feel like, please try and understand that I'm not trying to um, tell you what to do. I'm just simply noting my experience, and that is it, okay? Um... On that note, I also stay away from sugary foods at least one hour before bed, not because of some nutrition fact that I read somewhere. I mean, gosh, I barely give nutrition the time of day. I mean, that's just, that's a lot of work. I applaud anyone who takes the time to care about their nutrition. I need to be you if that's you. Um, But I have noticed that if I eat a sugary food, literally anything, anything sugary, I have nightmares And I don't know why. I'm sure there's a very good explanation as to how that could occur, but it was a thing for me. So once I figured that out, I gave my brain a little less ammo to produce the nightmares by taking the sugar away earlier in the evening. Um, I do want to say that if you're having trouble with your nightmares and you've tried a lot of things and you just like don't know what could be causing them, and if you're interested in pursuing them, something that I used to do is I would keep a journal like of bullet points of like the things that I did during the day. And um and then I would write the next morning if I could remember any nightmares or not. Um, or like how I felt when I woke up to see if um, you know, anything from the day before was a constant Um, thing that was showing up on the nights that I had nightmares so that might be something that you look into is just keeping a journal and oh like on Monday Wednesday and Friday I had nightmares and every single day that week I uh you know I was at the bus stop or I um you know I I did have that sugary food before bed or I drank coffee at like five in the evening you know like just like look for those common things and see if you can connect some dots because I mean you don't deserve to have nightmares you don't deserve to depend on caffeine if that's something that you want to break you know if you can get good sleep you won't need the energy boost right again that's just my thoughts on it um I'm gonna mention one more thing that ptsduk.org mentions but there are so many more on there and I invite you to go look at their site um and I quote light Humans are designed to sleep in the dark. When the sun comes up, the light receptors in the retina at the back of the eye tell us it's time to wake up by inhibiting the release of melatonin, the hormone that makes us sleepy. Therefore, a flickering TV light or any other light sources around you as you fall asleep stops the melatonin being released and your sleep will be affected. So what this is referring to, guys, is the um, 
people say it differently, forgive me, it's the circadian rhythm, um, which means that, you know, humans are essentially like our sleep depends on it being dark and then light. That's how we can sleep all night and then be up and ready to go in the morning. Um, you know, so that's, that's a huge thing that they're talking about. So there is more in there that they say. Um, but I do have to say, I usually fall asleep to something like Netflix every single night because I can't sleep without the white noise to block it out. Like I turn it on and I leave it on my nightstand and then I turn the other way and I just listen to it as I fall asleep. I used to listen to Friends, the TV show Friends, because there was absolutely nothing triggering in there for me and it was the best joy of my life. And then Netflix went and decided to take it off and so now it's just not there and I'm sad and I mean, guys, the breakdown that I had when I found out and when it happened that that Friends was not on Netflix anymore, I mean... Oh, geez. I needed an intervention at that point. I mean, it was literally an addiction to to friends, I swear. Um, (laughs) If you don't know, you really need to get on the friends train because it's amazing. Um, But anyways, um, the white noise was something that would help to kind of block out that crazy voice in my head that always tries to tell me all the ways that the world is ending. And maybe if I stay up and let my anxious brain take over, that I can fix them all or I can plan so that nothing bad happens. I mean, it's crazy uh, for me. Sorry, I don't like the crazy word. I It's just, it's difficult for me. Um, that voice likes to really challenge me. Um, but lately, I have been alternating nights that I sleep with and without Netflix. Um, and, or maybe, you know, or sometimes I'll compromise with myself and I'll watch it until I get sleepy and then I'll turn it off. And last night, I successfully fell asleep without it. But my brain was like, oh yeah, you, yeah, you thought you were making progress? And you thought you were doing great? Oh, God, you, you thought you were going to get a peaceful night's rest. That's cute. Here are four different nightmares in an all-inclusive package. Have fun. Good luck. Like, legit, I had four different nightmares last night that I could remember, all completely different from one another. Like, also, does this ever happen to you where, like, maybe you'll have one nightmare, but it repeats itself over and over and over again, either in one night or just over the span of, you know, years? I get that quite often, and it's very weird. So I have a lot of energy right now. I'm feeling good. This is something that is just getting me going. Um, (laughs) But the thing is, is that you guys have the power to protect your mind. It takes practice, but there is hope. Over the years that I have been struggling with nightmares, while I still have them, I would say, like I would say frequently, I manage it much better, and my coping skills are so strong that I find my own ways to fight back against them, to improve my quality of sleep, and just life in general. Um, And that has just come from not being afraid to try things. Well, okay, I'm afraid to try them, but I'm more afraid to keep living how I'm living. Um, To those of you listening who are support people, trust me, take my word for it when I say that these nightmares are absolutely terrifying. I'm making light of it right now because that's how I cope with the fact that I live with constant nightmares. But it really is serious and they are so terrifying and they find twisted ways to make us relive the worst things that have ever happened to us. And it's no fault of the survivor. Do not use this episode to tell someone what they should do and how to quote unquote fix their problem because that's not what this episode or this entire podcast is for. It's to help you start the conversation, to figure out boundaries, to work together and to understand the gravity of it all. 
um, to put that in perspective um, of just how scary these nightmares are. When I was a senior in high school, um, four years ago now, I think, maybe five, I can't even keep track anymore. Um, over Christmas break, I had a nightmare, a truly horrific one that I can still recall in vivid detail. And it involved my attacker being in my room, in my bed next to me. And I woke up and I sat up gasping for breath. My heart was pounding and I just was gasping for breath. Um, and for a moment in that headspace where you're not quite awake, but you're not quite asleep at the same time, it was right when I was in that foggy middle ground, I swear I saw my attacker in my bed next to me under my covers. And I fell out of my bed and I nervously peeked up to see if he was still there and he was gone, of course, because he wasn't there. Um, But I didn't sleep in my bed again until I left for college nine months later. I slept on the couch for nine months because I couldn't bear to go into my room. Um, It was that, it was that terrifying. I was terrified and I just, I never wanted to experience that again. Um, I could just, I could barely set foot in my room after that. I just, and I didn't sleep in that room again until Thanksgiving of that year. So uh, 11 months later uh, when I was home for break from college and it was awful. Um, I've had nightmares where people that I love in real life or that I've maybe met like once or twice have done awful things from like kidnapping me to hurting me or hurting people that I love. And then when I wake up and I have to see those people, it makes me confuse reality with those dreams for a split second. But that split second is long enough to have that space or that divide or that chasm just come between me and that person and you know this really used to haunt me and mess with my head but again I've worked so hard and I'm at a place now where that line between reality and my dreams is more solid and sturdy and I'm able to sleep in my bed and make my room a cozy space that I love and enjoy being in and that takes work and personal confrontation Like you have to confront a lot of stuff within yourself and work on it in order to heal and keep moving. But let me tell you, there is nothing else in the world more worth it than doing the work that is going to make you feel more like you. You may not feel the same, but you will feel more at home within yourself. And that's the prize. If you guys are struggling with nightmares, I would love to hear from you. Uh, you can email me at thrivingwithptsd at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at flourishing.with.ptsd. Did any of this resonate with you? Is this your experience? Is your experience different? I want to know. Um, this is something where science is very uh, minimal and experiences everything. So as someone who struggles with PTSD and is trying to flourish with it, I'm curious about what your experience is, if you're comfortable sharing. Um, yeah, I want to know. Um, so that's what I have on nightmares for you guys. Uh, one more thing, though. <laughs> I'm really nervous to actually say this, but I trust you guys. I am currently going through 
going through something that um, I'm sure many of you are all too familiar with. I'm interested in sharing it with you soon, uh, but please have patience with me if I'm slow to do it. I'm not going to do it today, but I'm okay and I'm still living my best life. Um, It's just another hurdle that I'm working to overcome and I'm debating on if I want to share it with you along the journey so you can hear how I navigate it more so in the moment or if I want to share it once I'm far enough into the journey to share more formulated thoughts. If you have an opinion, I'm excited to hear from you as well on that Um, because this podcast is to meet your needs as a listener. Um, So um, it does have to do with a disorder. So I'm interested in hearing what um, you guys are, where you guys are at on that. I know that like I talk about PTSD as I've already been through it and then as little things come up, but let me know. I'm I'm curious. Um, We'll see what I end up deciding, but I do take your guys' needs into account. Um, But yeah, you guys in a way are my friends and my family. And for how vulnerable many of you have been with me, I want to create that space where I do the same for you in the moment. um, Because vulnerability requires trust both ways. So we'll see where that goes. I'm excited. Um, But that's what I have for you today. Know that I believe in every single one of you. I don't need to know you personally to know that if you're here listening, you're curious about how to make your own life better or the life of someone else's better by just being in the know. You're here listening. You're curious. And that makes you a strong, motivated person that I would love to meet someday and someone that I hope finds everything they need to live their absolute best life and flourish with PTSD. I will talk to you guys later. Bye.